Hi, this is Jeff Steele, and today we're reading from John chapter 1, verses 19 through 34. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, Who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well then, who are you? they asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we are expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. So John is out in the wilderness baptizing people, and he's attracting a following. Let's just talk for a second about a following. Uh, John the Baptist was kind of an unusual guy. Some might call him a bit eccentric, actually. We know uh, from Mark's gospel that John lived out in the wilderness uh, eating locust and honey for food. The honey part I could get behind. Uh, Not sure about the locust part. If John were to live today, I feel like we would immediately give him a reality TV show. We'd put a bunch of cameras on him just to see how eccentric his life really is. And the thing is, as soon as somebody emerges as a leader or as an authority on any subject, we have this tendency to elevate that person to a position of status and and maybe privilege. Um, We're a culture. We love celebrity. We're built on pedestals, right? How many Twitter followers do you think John the Baptist would have today? You know, because that's our real measure of a person's impact and influence. What is their opinion on such and such issues? Like, where have we seen this person in the news? We're just obsessed with celebrity, and Christian culture is no different. As soon as a pastor achieves something that we consider noteworthy, it puts them on something of a pedestal and earns them a following. It could be they have a big church, or they wrote a popular new book, or, or they achieved some kind of political influence, but... Whatever it is, we can start to align ourselves behind this pastor, and and this subtle, subtle thing happens where we align more behind this pastor and less behind the pastor's message. And that's, like I said, that's a subtle thing, but it happens all the time. Because when you're focused on a leader, you're focused on the person of that leader, you might miss the one that he's actually trying to lead you to. You can have a religious experience and a religious life that is entirely separate from Jesus if you're only following a pastor. 
Make no mistake, John the Baptist, <laughs> he was a celebrity pastor, okay? And the people flocked to him, and they wanted to hear his opinions on everything. So it was really, really important for him to keep himself and his ministry in its proper place. Because what happens when you're in the same position that John the Baptist was in is we can start to believe that it's up to us. Something happens when we start to feel a burden to provide for everything that the people around us need. When John starts to attract a following, he could have uh, felt a lot of pressure to be the one to provide for all the people who were coming to him. I mean, after all, he was kind of the main event there for a while. He was attracting crowds. He was the guy who had all the answers. He had this real anti-establishment kind of vibe going on, and the people were just eating it up. And it's really easy to transition from, wow, lots of people are coming to hear this message, to, wow, lots of people are coming to hear me speak. Did you catch the difference in there? It begins with the idea that this message is really resonating with people. But at some point, it usually changes to, wow, I am really resonating with people. And that change can be so subtle that we don't even notice it. So when John is given the opportunity to make himself the star of the show, it's really important that he redirects his audience to what is really the most important thing. They're asking him, are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? No, that's not me. I'm not the thing. I'm not the story here. I'm not the thing you should be really be focusing on. In fact, pretty soon I'm going to be replaced and it's not going to be about me at all anymore. Because when you're focused on you, you miss what Jesus is actually doing. That's true for pastors. It's not about us, even though sometimes we feel like we want to make it about us. It's also true for parents, you know. Ultimately, we have to remember that it's not about us, even though sometimes we want to make it about us. Our kids are not simply a reflection of us. They are their own people with their own callings, and they need to live their own faith and their own relationship with Jesus. And there is a subtle difference between those two attitudes that we can easily miss. The other thing that we can be really tempted uh, to do when we're in the position that John was in is... um, We can try to protect our own status, right? I mean, certainly we can start to believe that it's up to us, but then we can also really try to protect our own status. Once you have a little bit of recognition, the most natural tendency is try to protect it. When nobody knows who you are, you can behave with a lot of freedom, right? Like at the beginning of John's ministry, he's doing what he's called to do in its purest form, maybe. He's calling people to repentance and teaching the crowds, but Once you get recognized, the world really wants to define you and label you, and with that comes the expectation to live up to and protect that status. Just think about this. Were you the funny kid in school? Because once you got that reputation, everybody expects you to be the funny kid. You ever notice that? It's like everybody expects you to make the joke. You're the one that they look to to lighten the mood. So it's like you kind of have to be ready for that. It's kind of this pressure, like you're you're the guy who's got to say something funny. And you start looking at life actually through that lens, looking for the humor all the time. Or were you the serious, like the good grades kid? Because once you got that reputation, man, people look to you for the answers. They ask you first. You're the first one they come to when they need help with homework or with something. And if you and if you ever publicly in class got the answer wrong, oh man, you can count on somebody making a comment 
wow, you know, even even he or she got that wrong? You could count on that, right? Or were you the rebel in school? Were you the rebellious one? Because once you got that label, believe that you, you know that comes with the pressure to be rebellious against the establishment wherever you find it, right? Everybody expects you to push back against authority, so you can't let any challenge go unopposed. And it's interesting to me, if you think about it, none of those scenarios represent true freedom, right? True freedom is the ability to agree when you agree and disagree when you don't. It's the freedom for the funny kid to be serious. It's the freedom for the smart kid to get the wrong answer or to make the joke. And it's the freedom for the rebel to actually go with the flow if he wants to. And I bring that up because John was kind of all of those things. He was eccentric. He was prophetic. And he was rebellious in the eyes of his followers. And with that comes the pressure to live up to all of those expectations. And yet in all of those things, the attention can divert us from who Jesus is to who John is. And that's an exchange that John was not willing to make. He pointed out Jesus himself. He said, I didn't even know who he was, but God revealed him to me. That's the guy we should all be following. When It comes to putting something like this together. You know, if I'm honest and I actually look at my own motivations, I I would really like you to think that I'm cool. (laughs) Actually, that's not true. I don't think cool is, is really an option for me. But I would like you to think that I'm smart or that maybe I'm really deep and insightful. And and that's just the truth. I when I'm putting together a talk, um, on Sunday morning or on podcast or whatever, my, my most natural tendency is going to be to think about, okay, what am I going to say? And let me evaluate that in terms of whether that's going to be impressive enough. Like if I have this really great insight or I share this really cool thing, it's going to make me look good. And I would really like people to come away from a talk that I give thinking, wow, man, what great insights that guy comes up with. But when you're focused on you, you miss who Jesus is. So it's a constant struggle not to do that. The challenge, as the expression goes, is is not to think less of ourselves, but to think of ourselves less. So what about you? Are there places in your life where you're more focused on what you want and what makes you look good rather than what Jesus is trying to do in you or the people around you? Are there opinions from other people or a status that you're trying to protect rather than focusing on what Jesus is calling you to do today? Where do you see Jesus calling in all of this? And what will you do about it? Let's pray together. God, I pray that our eyes are never taken off of you and that all the distractions and the expectations and the... And the the stuff that we feel like we need to protect, the opinion, the status, um, the things that we feel like we need to live up to to please other people or to live up to their expectations, God. Um, all of those things, would you help us to keep our eyes on you, to look look past them and see you and what you're calling us to. God, may we be, may we be uh, the people that you call us to be. And if, and if that meets other people's expectations, great. And if not, okay. But God, only let us live up to what you've called us to be today. So what are you calling us to? Would you show us here in this moment in your name? Amen. Have a great day.